JVR Hey guys, welcome to this uh, live stream. Uh, I figured I'd do something today since I haven't really uploaded that much. Probably won't be till later. Taking an opportunity to do this right now since my mom is watching Thunder Force on Netflix. Uh, but I wanted to come on here and, you know, just, you know, give you uh, my thoughts on something that's been going on. There's been, believe it or not, some Sonic news going around that I haven't, I don't think anybody's really noticed or anything. Um, like I said, I don't think anybody's really noticed or anything, but it, it's been going around lately, and uh, what it is mainly is it one of them has to do actually with Ken Penders, believe it or not. Yeah, we, we know Ken, um, we know that Ken uh, basically has the Lawler Sioux uh, Chronicles uh, in the works, and he's pretty much recently come out and said it's going to be a little bit more epic than anybody expects, basically bigger and more epic than people are anticipating, which, you know, when you work on something as long as he's been doing, kind of like a passion project, um, I wouldn't put it past him, maybe if it's, you know, something that, you know, will get people's attention and get them talking, but that's not the only reason he's in the news lately, it's not just that, um, what's the other reason he's, um, in the news, believe it or not, the other reason he's, uh, in the news is I, um, link this, uh, to some people, hopefully, without a problem, I do apologize for any lag, uh, but the, but the other reason he's in the news is due to the fact that, um, he apparently does no data or something. I don't know, that's weird. But apparently, uh, apparently Ian Flynn, I guess recently on one of his Bumblecast, uh, um, one of his Bumblecast deals, brushed off, <laughs> you heard me right, brushed off, in Ken's own words, the whole uh, situation that happened at Archie. Yeah. He, he brushed it off, apparently, in one of his recent Bumblecast uh, podcasts that he did, that you can find here on YouTube. He brushed it off. Apparently, I guess he doesn't find it to be a big deal anymore or something. But yeah, he brushed it off, and Ken, apparently, um, I, I wouldn't say took offense to that, but uh, basically has, you know, given his say on it, if you will. He's given his say uh, on the whole situation, and I'm going to read what some of he has to some of what he had to say. At the moment I uh, find what I'm looking for, here we go. I think this is what I'm looking for. Hold on, just making sure. Yeah, I think I found what I'm looking for. Hold on. But, uh, yeah, basically, uh, basically, Ken was, um, not too thrilled at the fact that, like I said, Ian just, um, brushed all of that off in his recent, uh, podcast, um, if you will. 
like to him it wasn't that big of a deal. But of course, you know Ken. You know he he, he doesn't like it when people just brush something that I, I, he uh, took personally, uh, if you will. You know he doesn't like the fact that people do that. And well, I wouldn't say he likes it. I just don't think he appreciates the the fact that you know in Ian Flynn just brushed it off, like, you know, like it was nothing, and, you know, it's like, it's like, you want to give this guy, you know, any more fuel to the fire, or any other reason not to, not to, you know, trust, you know, you or anything, it's, it's like, do you want to give this guy any more reason, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, apparently, uh, apparently, he, um, like I said, he brushed it off like it was nothing according to, to him, and, um, like I said, he, he didn't appreciate that, uh, whatsoever, so that was kind of, um, it's kind of weird, if you will. Just take that off there for example. Yeah, but he, he found it kind of weird that, you know, he would just brush it off. Like, you know, like it was nothing. Like it was, basically as he puts it, I'll read this in a moment. Like he feels like it was a lifetime ago. Like it doesn't really, you know, matter as much anymore as it used to. And, you know, like I said, Ken took uh, took offense to that. Uh, like I said, Ken took took offense to that recently, and I th think I want to make sure I get this right here because it was recently. I don't know if he started talking about this on the first, the thirty-first, whatever. Let me see. Well, obviously he's also as a part of Scarlett Johansson and what's going on with her, so. So, so um, hold up for a second. Do something. Um, I was just uh, was didn't want to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Basically, he wasn't too thrilled with it, and I think we're at the right area where we're at here, so... I think it was the second when he started to really address this whole situation. Because, you know, his Twitter just, you know, does all this, so... Yeah. He even... Uh, talks about Eternals, I guess. Uh, just want to make sure I get everything here. Yeah, this is like what he said first, so, again, this is where the uh, situation took place in. I don't know exactly what part uh, it takes place in. And I do apologize for any lag, and of course, as the description puts it, apologize for any interruptions that may occur. Uh, but this, this is what he said, and I quote, uh, this is back on August 2nd. This was at 8.38 8 p.m. my time. 
excuse me, but this is what he said, and I quote, this one, Ken Penders, because I guess it's something has to do right here with, uh, with this recent one here, on the second. This is what um, Ken said about what Ian had to pinpoint here. And depending on how you feel about him, this is what he had to say in a quote. Um, I wish Ian would refrain from talking about the legal situation of my characters like he knows the bottom line. And the fact, and the fact is, okay, let me reread that. Let me reread that. I'm sure you guys can see it yourself right now. Uh, but let me reread that. And also, as I uh, check on something, too, where's, where's my remote here somewhere? Oh, there it is. Let me do something real quickly. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. When you have a security camera, you know, obviously the problem goes a little louder even when you download. I mean, you down it. There we go. So, there we go. Just, just got to do something. Like I said, it's an uh, opportunity I'm taking right now. Uh, but anyway, this is what Ken had to say, and I quote, as again, as I check something, I was trying to check something. Hold on. Here we go. I just want to make sure I can hear it. Um, but anyways, like I said, this is what, um, uh, Ian, I mean, Ken had to say about what Ian said in his recent Bumblecat podcast back on the second, and I quote, this is what he had to say, because I guess he said something about the legality of what was going on with Ken's characters that, you know, unfortunately got removed from the comic because of what happened behind the scenes. This is what Ken had to say in response, and I quote, I wish Ian would, okay, let me restart, sorry about that, let me restart, but this is what he had to say to to Ken, I guess, getting asked a question or talking about the situation, um, you know, ba basically about, you know, the whole um, legality of Ken's characters and all that. This is what he, and I guess it was a question a fan asked, but here's what Ken had to say in response to that answer that Ken gave to that question, I guess, in the bubble cast. And, and I quote, this is what he says, and I quote, I wish Ian would refrain from talking about the legal situation of my characters like he knows the bottom line. And the fact is, he doesn't. And it's clear he doesn't when he talks about the post-reboot characters' rights. So, basically, it sounds like what he's getting at here is, you know, he... he Basically, he's calling out, in a sense, Ian Flynn for, you know, believing everything he's saying, but not knowing the facts. Like, you don't... Like, basically, he doesn't know the entire facts, like he doesn't, you know, you know, basically, as you read it right here, he's just saying, you know, um, you know, he just wishes Ian wouldn't talk about something he has no, um, no idea that, has, has no idea about, out anyway, like behind the scenes and all that, doesn't have any clue, 
and the fa- and, and and it's not just for his characters, but it's also for like the other characters, the post reboot character rights um, as well. So so in other words, like characters that were created for the soft red con reboot, that Ian doesn't own the rights to, or if he does at all. And uh, continuing on, this is what he said. I think I don't know if this is in order. I have to see. Um, let me. Yes. Yeah, it's in order. <laughs> It's in order, so um, let's get back to that. Hold on. And now she's watching the uh, Giants game. <laughs> it's on right now. Uh, but the Giants and the Diamondbacks, that is. Okay, so here's continuing on. Here's what he had to say. So, again, this is what he said at first. Basically, he wished Ian would refrain from talking about the legal situation of his characters, like he knows the bottom line. And the fact is, he doesn't, and it's clear he doesn't when he talks about the post-reboot characters' rights. In other words, like, perhaps characters that others made for the software kind of reboot, starting with 252. Continuing on, and I quote, this is what Ken had to say, continuing on. Ian clearly, okay, continue, let me read that. <clears throat> Ian clearly also doesn't know what a fair deal is when it comes to licensing rights. What he is doing is avoiding having to say he has no interest in using any of the Archie Sonic characters without getting people mad at him. Let me make sure everything's cool there. Okay, looks like it might be. I want to double check. Yeah, because people did comment a, a little bit. And I'll get into that in a moment. Let me make sure. Okay, this is what he says after after this part here. This is what he says here. Again, let me reread that. <clears throat> Ian clearly also doesn't know what a fair deal is when it comes to licensing rights. What he's what oh, what he's doing is avoiding having to say he has no interest in using any of the Archie Sonic characters without getting people mad at him. And what he's talking about there is, you know, he feels that Ian doesn't have a, a clue what a fair deal is, like when it comes to licensing, right? Like an agreement, like a fair agreement of, okay, we'll use your characters and you'll get paid this much. Um, he's also bringing up the fact that it seems that Ian is avoiding having to say he has no interest in using any of the Archie Sonic characters without getting people mad at him. In other words, what he's stating is that Ian would rather just do his own thing instead of go back and use characters that people know and love, even if he has to make a deal with some people uh, to do that, him or IDW. And hello, Big Box Network. Thank you for being in the live chat. And Super Chats are on, guys, if you want to donate. Eight, if you choose to. Continuing on, and I quote, there, there is a fair formula for the cost of licensing Mina or Ventacat or Horizontal Al or Julie Sue or whoever, or whoever. Just like there's a royalty formula for the creators of an issue's content. I've seen these formula, I've seen this formula, these formulas, and received checks based on those formulas. So. So basically, what he is saying is that, so basically he's just saying that, look, there is a way things go if you want to use characters, and it looks like from his standpoint, um, 
can uh, Ian uh, doesn't want to do that. We check something here. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, but Ian uh, is saying basically that it's basically it seems to to Ken that Ian, you know, doesn't want to address the situation. You know, it's like it's kind of you. Well, you see it yourself exactly what you know what Ken's saying here in response to what Ian said on his Bumblecast. And it's basically the fact that, you know, Ken feels that Ian just doesn't grasp the understanding of, hey, you want to make a deal to use the characters, fine, let's work out a deal, let's make a fair agreement to where all parties, are, you know, are okay with. You know, all parties get a fair shake. But to him, Ian doesn't want to do that. And then he says there's a fair formula for the cost of licensing Mina or Venta Cat Al, Al Horizon Al, or Julie Sue, or whomever, just like there's a royalty formula for the creators of an issue's content. I've seen these formulas and received checks based on those formulas. And then I think somebody responded. No, that's uh, something else. Okay, here we go. There's two responses here, but... Okay, let's, let's continue on. Let's see. All right, let's continue on. Here we go. Okay, so we're all right. So basically, from here to here, and we just talked here, right? Okay, so continuing on, and I quote: "For Ian to address anything having to do with royalties would upset the Apple Cart at ITW because they don't pay royalties. Put that in caps to anyone ever. Stan Goldberg never received a dime." For them reprinting his work in a book that spotlighted Stan's work. Imagine that. And then he continues on. It also appears Ian considers what happened at Archie. Or, okay. Let me read that, and I quote. It also appears Ian considers what happened at Archie happened a lifetime ago. Last time I checked, five years did not equal a decade. If he wants to act like he knows what he's talking about, he should start by stating Archie never made anyone sign contracts prior to him. So, so basically what it is here with, um, what's going on here with uh, Ken uh, addressing what Ian had to say is that Ian is trying to avoid the situation. Like, you know, Basically, to him, Ian is trying to move on from what happened. It's like any time people ask him questions about it, he wants to avoid it. Or if he has to answer it, he tries to answer it in a way that doesn't make sense or has no, you know, um, has no connection to what happened previously. And you know, for. Ken to see that someone like Ian Flynn would say, oh, well, that hap what happened behind the scenes at Archie was a lifetime ago, uh, Ken does have a point. You know, you don't just brush off what happened five years ago as a lifetime ago, if you know what I mean. You don't just brush that off. Uh, from what I can probably understand, what Ian's trying to say here is what happened at Archie, like with the retcon and the reboot that they went through, that was near a decade ago, and he wants to move on. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. You, here's the thing, and it all started, basically, again, with this. You know, right here, where he's telling, 
where he's saying that he wishes Ian would refrain from talking about the legal situation of his characters like he knows the bottom line and the fact that he doesn't and it's clear he doesn't doesn't when he talks about the post reboot characters rights as well so in other words what he's saying is that you know Ian doesn't understand what really goes on behind the scenes like you can't just you know go and use a character without you know somebody wanting royalties out of it and then he continues on and I quote Ian clearly doesn't know what a fair deal is when it comes to licensing rights what he's doing is avoiding having to say he has no interest in using any of the Archie Sonic characters without people getting mad at him. And what he means by that is Ian just doesn't want to come out and you know come straight out and say, uh, yeah, you know the Freedom Fighters who are the Sadiem characters and are kind of owned by and technically owned by Sega, but people you know associate them being Archie characters. Yeah, I have no plans to use them, despite you know so many times of saying I want to fight for them and all that. You know, stuff like that, or other characters that people associate with the comic. You know, he, you know, basically Ken's saying, hey, Ian, why don't you just come out and say you don't have no interest? You just want to move on. You know, you know, it's like, you know, why, why don't you just, you know, you know, you know it's like, that's what he's saying. It's like, why, basically, that's what he's saying. It's like, why don't you just, you know, you know, it's like, he's just asking him, why don't you just say you don't want to use them, and you just want to move on? That's it. You know, that's it. I was just checking the Super Chats there, and I do apologize for, like I said, any lag of this, any. But that's about it. You know, that's all he wants All he wants him to do. Right? That's all he would want to do. I mean, wouldn't you want somebody to do that? And now, here's the thing. Let's see, uh... Alright, so we had plenty of responses. You know, Ken just connected it all in one thread. We had plenty of responses. One person here said, uh, responded by saying, Ken, if you're going to try to use our show to get the Sonic fan base riled up uh, in your favor, the least you could do is join our Patreon. And then Ken's response is, Ah, another know-nothing heard from. You sounded like a lap uh, rather than someone... Who does the homework? That's the problem with so-called journalists today. More opinion and less information. Yeah, and some people... Some people have criticized him. There's no doubt. And there are some defenders. There's no doubt about that. That. And then we have here, you know, there are some people, even, you know, um, somebody like, and everybody has their opinions on both guys and how they feel about them. You know, there's all that. And, and you have, everybody has a right to that, there's no doubt about that. And let's see. And basically, they're saying that Ken doesn't know how to take a joke, and probably he doesn't. You know, he's probably, uh, you know, he's probably has a—I wouldn't say a thick skin, but he probably has a sensitive skin, like you know, you, you know, like let's say a certain Kevin Smith deal, but not on the same, but not as bad, I guess. <laughs> and then somebody here replied, I guess in defense or whatever, Derby dude here. Def- 
I don't know if it was in defense or something, but this is what they said, and I quote, Many fans have suspected for several years that he's been tiptoeing around the issue of the Freedom Fighters because he knows fans want them, but he doesn't. And he makes excuses not to include them, including spreading misinformation about who actually owns them. And then Dream Soul Hill, I think, also replied up here somewhere. Yeah. Says, he's trying to avoid pissing people off. And then Derby Dude says, well, he's pissing people off anyway by lying and pretending he cares, when he clearly doesn't. Oh, he'd be fighting tooth and nail to get the Freedom Fighters into the comics. Which is funny, because he wouldn't have to fight Sega to do this, as Sega owns the properties, and those properties could make Sega much more money than they care to admit, if they would properly utilize them. Everything Flynn has said about why he can't use them has been completely debunked by Internet sleuths, or by Internet sleuths. He has no more excuses other than to admit he doesn't like them. And he's afraid to admit he doesn't like them, in my opinion, because then that would mean admitting that he's been lying about how much he likes them for over a decade, killing Sally three times, twice chronologically, and once in his fan art date. He's proved to me he was being dishonest, you know, FTS. And again, everybody has their opinions. You know, some agree with Ken uh, Penders' rant here, and that's fine, and some don't. But here's the thing. You know, you know. Here's the thing. You know, you know what Ken. You know Ken saying that. You know Ken. Ken has a right. You know Ken has a right to say what he wants to say. You know, there's no doubt about that. You know. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. And then he says this. Uh, I think afterwards he says, "This is what Ken says." I think afterwards. He says, and I quote, Seriously, I wish Sega and IDW would make an attempt for my characters. My lawyers would love a quick and easy payday. There's a lot of, there's a lot Ian doesn't say because he doesn't know the law or the actual facts of the case. No one has the receipts I do when it comes to my characters. And then we have some, uh, some, uh, uh, replies here, a lot of replies actually. You know, so basically, again, basically, again, you're going to have a division. You're going to have a division here uh, with fans, you know, kind of understanding where Ken's coming from and not, and being like, look, you know, it doesn't, you know, matter or anything. You know, stuff like that. Sorry about that. Sorry. Now, one person here says, I don't know if this is satire or sarcastic, uh, um, sarcastic or something, but. Here's what one person had to say, and I quote, This is Sally for all replying to Ken, and what Ken had to say here. Uh, this is what Sally for all had to say, and I quote, The noble act of allowing Sega IDW the usage of your characters is a major milestone for Archie fans. Julie Sue, Jeffrey, Sally's family, coupled with the fact that the Freedom Fighters are 
owned by Sega as you confirmed last year proves there's no excuse why they can't return. And some people, let's see. And then that's okay. Now asking, did they miss something? And this saying, this person saying, you'd be honestly doing a great favor if you allowed Sonic Chronicles to get the sequel it needs. And then he says, look, he's basically saying, look, if they want to do it, they know where to find me. I'll refer them to my lawyers. To my lawyers. Okay, let me read that. Went off track there. He says, if people want to do it, they know where to find or know where to reach me. I'll refer them to my lawyers to draw up the contracts. It's no different than when a piece of music or a movie clip is used in a new film. They pay license fees for that. And I think, let me see, did he continue? No. Okay. Now somebody put, somebody actually responded by saying, you know, Ken, it's been eight years since those characters were dropped from the comics. It's time to move on. And then Ken's response is, I have moved on. I'm doing my own thing with my characters. I'm not the one pining to work on Sonic or with Sega or IDW. I'm fine the way things are. In other words, he's saying he's moved on. He's cool. So, again, depending on how you read what he's saying or looking at what he's saying, you know, and, and again, depending on how you feel about, you know, those that, you know, go back and forth defending him or against, being against him, you know, you know, Ken seemingly doesn't have a problem. You know, all he's saying in his own Penders-like way is, hey, I've learned that, you know, if you want to use my character, it's not a problem. You know, reach out to me, contact me, let's agree to something, let's write up the contract if you want to do that, which, again, probably will happen, or would happen, and then, you know, pretty much, here's the agreement, you know, my characters are free to, uh, are free to be used, or uh, will be, allowed, will be um, usable in, in your media, in your property. It's basically the same situation with copyright, like here on YouTube. And I think that's what Ken is trying to get at. It's like, you know, here on, with the copyright here on YouTube. You know, a lot of us, um, you know, could make all the fan projects, fan vids, AMVs, PMVs we want. But, you know, in the end, the music or the clips we use are owned by somebody else. So that when we see uh, copyright on them, copyright claimed, but it's still allowed to be seen then, yeah, that's basically what he's saying. It, what That's basically, I kind of guess what he's saying is, look, you know, even though my characters can be seen, you know, IDW, Ian Flynn, you know, Tracy Yardlin, all of them, they might get a percentage, but they won't get the kind of percentage as much as, let's say, Ken would get. In other words, it wouldn't be maybe 50-50, it would be more like, uh, 60 40 or 70 30 but Ken would get the 70 you know if you know what I mean because it's his characters they'd be using 
So, so yeah, you know, he's ba- basically what started all this is the fact that when Ian said what he did on his Bumblecast recently, that pretty much, you know, opened the floodgates, if you will, reopened the floodgates, you know, for for uh, people to, uh, for Ken to come out and say, look, you know, I have no problem with this or that, you know. You know, it's 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 basically a convoluted mess. We'll put it like that. But you know, he's just asking for people like Ian Flynn not to come out and say, "Hey, this is what happened," and you know, this is how I see. You know, this is what happened. I know what happened. Da 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 da. You know, he wants him to stop doing that and just be honest about the situation, just like anybody else would be honest about the situation, because everybody has pretty much looked at Ian Flynn. You know, coming out over the past several years and saying, hey, I'm trying to get the Freedom Fighters in. I'm trying to get Sally in. I'm trying to get Bunny in. I'm trying to get Antoine Dulce and Rhoda and all them in. Lupin and all them. But we have yet to see any result. And he seemingly is going back and forth. Like he's saying one thing and he's not doing, you know, and he's doing something else. He's doing the opposite. Or he says he promises to try to get this to happen and yet he's not following through on that. And what people are pointing out, um, if you will, what they're pointing out is, you know, he, and I think Ken, in a way, is even pointing this out too. When you read what he has to say, is that they have access to a lot of characters that were made in the book when it was running at Archie, when it was at Archie Comics, and yet they have not taken, you know, he's not play, made a play for them, and that, and that's what's we, and that is what's suspicious to him. They have not made a play for them. You know, because this is what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying, and I quote, you know, following up, Ian clearly doesn't know what a fair deal is when it comes to licensing rights. What he's doing is avoiding having to say he has no interest in using any of the Archie Sonic characters without getting people mad at him. And that's basically it. You know, that's kind of a good point. It's like Ian, you know, is avoiding the fact that he's just not coming out and saying, hey, I just don't want to use the characters because I don't want people to get mad at me at the way I might use them, you know, and he wants to focus on something differently. Now, I'm sure there's no doubt. Now, I'm sure there's no doubt, uh, in my opinion, in my honest opinion here, um, there's no doubt in my honest opinion, Ken's, not Ken, but Ian's going to respond to this. He's going to respond to this to, uh, on his next Bumblecast, and he'll probably have to finally, eventually address the situation, and hopefully if that happens, you know, Ian admits, look, I want to use the characters, but what I have, pl- what I've planned, uh, here's what I'm trying to say. If I'm Ian Flynn, you know, he, I may have to address this eventually. You know, I, and again, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he addresses it on his next Bumblecast. And if he does, maybe he should use that opportunity to just come out and admit, look, I want to use the characters, but if I use them, I'm probably going to do use them in a way that would piss you know piss fans off. And you know, that's that's all he has to say. It's kind of like with the Kevin Smith situa- situation. You know, if Kevin Smith would have just said, hey, this is what. You know, Kevin Smith, Ted Basali, and those working on the series uh, at both Netflix and Mattel 
would have just came out and said, hey, you know, this is what Revelation's going to really be, and not exactly what I said it was going, well, not exactly what we said it was going to be, they would have avoided so much backlash. And that's a fact. They would have avoided so much backlash. And that's basically what you're getting here with, with Ian, is, you know, from the eyes of someone like even Ken Penders, that if Ian would just come out and say the truth and stop tiptoeing, dancing around it, prancing around it, you know, maybe people wouldn't be so uh, critical about him. I mean, heck, I, I listen to, what is her name, Crystal Maiden 77 on YouTube at times, and her newbie perspective reviews. And even she has pretty much called out Ian Flynn for some of the decisions he's made. I mean, she's even said that when it was revealed in 247 that, you know, Sally was the traitor Silver was looking for, that she believes it, Ian pulled that out of his you-know-what. And that that was just something that was probably not even on the radar, if you know what I mean. And she's probably right. She's probably right, but we don't know. We don't know if that's true or not, if that was just a last-minute decision or not. Uh, but, you know, the way things are going, I don't think anybody would probably put it past that. But, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ken, Ken, Ken has a right to his opinions. And let's be honest, whether you like Ken or you don't, whether you're like Ian or you don't, whether you're kind of, you know, in the middle with them, like, you know, you like what they've done, but you don't like what they've done, kind of like the good and bad, like, you'd like to talk about the good they've done, and sometimes you have to talk about the bad, stuff like that. You know, d depending, you know, how you feel, feel about them, you know, Ken, you have to admit, Ken has more experience in the comic book industry, has more experience writing for a comic of any kind than Ian Flynn does. Ian was doing his other M webcomic while Ken Penders was working on the Archie Sonic book. You know, so, you know, Ian, you know, doesn't have as much experience as Ken, and Ken with years of experience, maybe a decade or two of experience, knows exactly how things work behind the scenes. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When he comes out and says that Ian doesn't, you know, it's not, you know, that Ian is not coming out and straight up admitting he doesn't want to use the characters from the Archie book. It's the... Archie made characters that Ken or other people have made that they would have to pay licensing and royalty licensing and royalties fees for, or characters even he made. You know the reason he doesn't want to do that is he doesn't want to upset fans. He doesn't want to get you know people mad at him, and that even includes the characters of Sad AM like Sally, Bunny, Antoine, and all them. And then when he comes out and says this, to, you know, when he comes up, following comes out and follows that up with, by saying this: that there is a fair formula for the cost of licensing characters like Mina or Vertical or Horizon Owl or Julie Sue or whomever, just like there's a royalty formula for the creators of an issue's content. I've seen these formulas and received checks based on these for, on those formulas. In other words, he has said because of his experience, because he's worked on other comics like the Star Trek comics and many other comics before this or around this time as well that, you know, he's seen how this all works. And based on the formulas of how these, based on those formulas that he's worked with, you know, those 
basically those uh, directives, those agreements, he's gotten money out of it. Like, you know, they could use his ideas and his characters and come back to them later on, and he's made money off of it. He's gotten royalties out of it. And then he follows that up by, and then when he follows that up by saying, for Ian to address anything having to do with royalties would upset the apple cart at IDW because they, and he capitalized these three words, don't pay royalties to anyone ever. Stan Goldberg never received a dime for them reprinting his work in a book that spotlighted Stan's work. Imagine that. And we've all heard, you know, Clownfish TV has talked about this and others have talked about this. IDW behind the scenes is not in a good place. You know, like they may seemingly on the outside be in a good place and they're trying to venture off into other areas of media like shows and movies and stuff. But that behind the scenes, they're not in a good place. They're not as great as they seem to be or not as, you know, on the up and up as they seem to be. Because according to Ken, they don't pay royalties, you know, at all for anybody's work. Which is why Ian doesn't want to address anything having to do with royalties because IDW wouldn't pay royalties for characters to be used. Excuse me now. And then he concludes this by saying, it also appears Ian considers what happened at Archie, you know, happened at Archie happened a lifetime ago. Last time I checked, five years did not equal a decade. If he wants to act like he knows what he's talking about, he should start by stating Archie never made anyone sign contracts prior to him. And Ken is saying that from experience, because Ken, along with others like Mike Gallagher and, you know, others before Ken's time and after Ken's time, like Carl Bowlers and all of them, you know, they never had to sign contracts. You know, they were brought in as freelance writers and artists. So, you know, he kind of, whether we like to admit it or not, he knows what he's talking about. You know, he knows, he knows what he's talking about, um, if you will. And there are people, like I said, that have responded to what Ken had to say here after hearing what Ian had to say on his podcast. Like Space Fox here said, and I quote, Well, as you know, Mr. Penders, IDW is a totally new world based off the game Sonic Forces. Unlike Archie that was based off Saturday AM, this world is different. Therefore, Archie characters wouldn't quite work. I mean, I'd love to see the Freedom Fighters back, but I doubt it would ever happen. And then, of course, they had a couple of replies after that. Uh, one's by a uh, Nintendo dude who says, you never know what the future could hold, which is true. And then you have System 509 say, I'm starting to think it's best we all just move on from everything Archie related. From where I'm standing, it just looks like a hot mess of weird characters and complected, uh, complex, uh, complex, let me read that. This is what System 509 had to say in response to Nintendo dude. And I quote, I'm starting to think it's best we all just move on from everything Archie related. From what I'm, from where I'm standing, it just looks like a hot mess of weird characters and com- and complicated legal issues. And then Alex basically had to say, the characters from Archie aren't that weird, and the legal issues aren't even that complicated. And then System basically said, well, of course you'd say that, Alex, 
you grew up reading thing, but for me, from the outside looking in, it just seemed like an incoherent jumble of stuff that has no business being in Sonic. As for the legal stuff, well, nobody's explained it well, apparently, so no wonder. And then Alex had to uh, basically say, look, I didn't actually grow up with Archie. I didn't even know, I didn't even grow up on Sat AM. I grew up on Sonic X in the GameCube and Game Boy era. I didn't get into them until, until they were midway through the reboot. And if you wanted an explanation regarding the case, all you had to do was ask. And then he gives a couple of examples and everything with videos and all that, which I may check out myself later on. So I'm going to, if I can, <laughs> I guess I can't retweet that. Um. Yeah, I guess they can't retreat that. So, um, let me uh, put these for later. while I do this. Um, anyway, though, yeah, it's, it's just one of those convoluted kind of situations uh, that's going on um, in the book, um, if you will. I'm not going on in the book, but uh, basically, the situation is this. It's, you know, Ian Flynn just, not Ian Flynn, but Kim Pendis just feels Ian Flynn, if he's going, if anybody like Ian Flynn is going to talk about the characters or talk about what happened behind the scenes, they need to know the exact details and not just go off what they know. So... Yeah, whether you agree with Ken or not, he does have a, a bit of a point. He does have a bit of a point that Ian needs to basically be like, look, this is what I know, and that's all I'm going to say. So, hopefully you guys got a kick out of that. Again, go ahead and read it, pause it if you want, uh, when you can, and read it as much as you can. So, anyway, we're going to move on from that, because I'm getting a little off track with it. But, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it, again, you know, Ian Flynn, and I think it's not just Ken, but a lot of people feel this way. Ian Flynn should just come out and say, look, I don't want to use the characters because if I use them, I might use them in a way that would piss the fans off, and I don't want to do that. Just just come out and say it. Just say, look, you want to use the characters, but you don't want to do it right now because they might be, because you'll probably use them in a way that characters don't like. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see the characters soon, but who knows? Who knows? Let me uh, take something in my phone just died. <laughs> my phone just died. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, let's let's move on from that. But yeah, it is interesting to to see that that's happening and everything. All right, so let's move on to the one that starts right here.
Um, and that is Team Season, uh, in case you guys don't know who they are, Team Season, which is also known as Season um, Satin, uh, Sat Season Animated uh, on Facebook, and I think you're on YouTube. Team Season has actually been making a lot more progression. Um, if you are, of course, I did a video earlier on them, and they're actually making a lot of progress. And let's see, you know, he can't give away spoilers or anything, but this is from yesterday Color Keys Danger in the Distance. A color script maps up coloring, lighting, and emotional beats, which link colors to certain characters and moods at different points in the story. What do these colors in the scene tell you? And that was from Season, and this is what they're talking about. This is an example of what we're going to be getting. Uh, it's not, it's basically very, you know, very sad I am like, you know, from traditional wise, but since this is like, you know, a web series or web continuation, web animation, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, everybody's guessing what it could be and stuff, so. Yeah, but there's a scene there. And a lot of people are you know, have worked on the series and everything. They even show you a little bit of a, a motion right here of of what it's going to be or what it's going to look like right here, which is pretty cool. As you can see, that's basically one of the scenes they got set, um, if you will. So a lot of greatness there. And then you got some other scenes here, which is pretty cool. Very sad I am like. You know, and the characters, there's no doubt, are going to look different. Now this... This is pretty good. It says, with the help of Team Season, the third season of Sonic ZM, of course, hopefully sooner than later, the story needs finishing. They still have to write a little bit more on the script. But this was that one scene that they put up uh, initially, which was kind of cool to see. And, yeah, they gave a little bit of tutorial here. Showing us, you know, what they've been up to, which is nice. And this is just another example of what we've been seeing throughout, you know, several years here on the internet, and courtesy of places like YouTube, and and um, I say courtesy of places like YouTube and and BitChute and Daily Motion and Vimo and all these places. You know, we're starting to see the the rise of independent work, independent. Uh, workers and all that, you know, doing, well, not independent workers, but independent animators and fans of other places that, you know, fans of other franchises, doing what they can to, to bring this all to life and kind of give us what we want as fans, kind of give us that v vision of what we've been wanting, you know, you know, as fans for, for quite some time. Now, here's, here's this roundtable one. Which is pretty cool. Look at this. this. They show how they animated it, which is really how they went through all the progress to make it happen. Pretty cool. And they actually do have people in studios, actual studios, to to make this happen. So that's pretty cool. And let me see if I can get this for you guys. Bunny and I will enter the city. 
El Rotor and Sir Charles work on the plans for Numo Patropolis. And they got a big fire too, so. <laughs> We got a big choir. And here's what the finished product looks like. A rotor and Sir Charles work on the plans for New Mobotropolis. Sonic Bunny and I will enter the city. So that's pretty cool. And a rotor and Sir credit to them for doing that. That and everything for getting that far. That is awesome, in my opinion. That is just awesome, in, in my opinion, that they did that to to get that far, if you will. Um. But yeah, it, it looks really good. It looks, you know, it looks really, really good. And and it, and then this is what they said on the 29th, four days after my birthday. They said, we work with really talented artists and production peeps to make everyone's dream a reality. It's because of hashtag freedom fighters like you that keeps this project going. Thank you. And then this one, I guess the response to Spaced Out, this is what Spaced Out had to say. And I quote, from seeing that, this is what they said, and I quote, This captures the soul of Sadie M so perfectly, perfectly, that watching the final animation at the end gives me flashbacks. Everything from the odd style to the color balancing to Sal's voice, Tails taking a nap at the table, the characters are brought to life again. Which is pretty much the goal. Which is pretty much the goal of this entire thing, you know. You know, it's pretty much the goal of the entire... Health. Uh, the goal of the entire thing for Team Season is to get uh, to this point, and I think, you know, and I think, basically, this is going to really surprise a lot of people when it comes out. And this is another scene I think they worked on for the show, or for the series. So let's see. You've always been the princess with the plan in the past, Sally girl. Now I know you. Let's try that again. Hold on. You've always been the princess. You've always been the princess with the plan in the past, Sally girl. Now I know you. You see, look at. Again, this is just an example. And then there's more WIP right there. This is just a great example. Need better cover. Bunny! On it, Sally girl. We need better cover. Bunny! On it, Sally girl. We need better cover. Bunny! On it, Sally girl. So, again, this is just great to see. It's great uh, progress, uh, in my opinion, for, for what they're doing. And... You know, I can't wait to see the final product. And it looks like they're getting close to doing that. And so, them getting closer to completion, I think it's great. Uh, it, again, this is just an example, like I said, of, of the fact that this is something that, again, it's just another step in the direction. Uh, this is just another uh, step in the direction of of getting, you know, uh, no, well, I wouldn't say getting the show back going, uh, getting the show, getting the series, the fran you know, franchise and these characters back to animation life, but basically this is another example, in my opinion, of, you know, fans of 
a project, wanting to bring that project to life. You know, like, you know, to me, uh, for example, I, I follow Mr. Internet Man on uh, on Devonart, and he does his Demonica character, and I've always said to myself, that would be something that they could do. You know, they could do for animation, it'd be great. So, and this is another example of what I'm talking about here. So, ow. Robo Reminence. Gotta admit, it's weird to see this place so darn quiet. I know what you mean. This place is like a ghost town. Well, no use standing around and scaring ourselves. Let's get moving. Right. We'll split up to cover more ground. But make sure to keep in contact. There's no telling what dangers are still lurking around the city. Then it's juice and jam time! Again, just great examples. And again, i got to give it to Team Season for for really putting it out there for fans to to enjoy and get behind. And again, they have a Patreon if you want to support that. I've supported I've donated a dollar to it. You know, one dollar is better than nothing. So to me, I really, I really suggest you guys check it out and, uh, you know, just, you know, give it a chance and, and see what you guys think about it. Um, if you will, you know, like I said, just, just give it a chance and see what you guys think. I think you'll really enjoy what you see because like I said, you know, after just showing you some of those, some of those things there, it's just, it's just another example of of independent animators and and people who are fans of projects and stuff wanting to see those projects brought to life, wanting to see the characters brought to life, not just in web comic form or fan fiction writing form, but animation, fluid animation, CGI form, whatever whatever direction you go with. And when it when you combine that with a established fan base, you know, like you know Sonic Am, you know, I think it writes itself. So to me, the the finished pro- product, in my opinion, is going to be great. And um, the question, obviously, is that anybody has is where is it going to show up at? And obviously, it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on YouTube, and I think YouTube is the best place to for it to premiere because it's more widely, it's more you know more out there and everything. It's going to be more accessible. So YouTube and I think Vimo uh, are going to be the places you can find it. And I think even Facebook. You know, so Facebook... Here's why I think you're going to see this when it's the finished product project is, uh, you know, completed and everything. This is why I think you're going to find it. You're going to find it here on YouTube on their, um, on their YouTube page. You're going to find it on the website, which is right here. You're going to find it... Um, you're going to find it on, uh, like I said, you're going to find it on the YouTube page. You're going to find it on the website. You're going to find it on the Facebook page. You're going to find it on Vimo, most likely, just in case, you know, some copyright situations or whatever. You're going to find it in various places, and I guarantee you it's going to 
the atten the attention it will get and the re positive reaction it will get i truly believe will officially get the will get the attention of sega and make sega consider okay maybe there is something still there what can we do to capitalize on that and possibly work with these people because again a great example a great example of the fan base as I just go off of Twitter here for for a moment a great example of the fan base and I do apologize for any lag is this this here is a good example of the fan base and boy these prices go up real high if you know what I mean Fortunately, I have two copies of it, one I watch and one that's still in its plastic original seal. Uh, but anyway, this here, I want to picture But anyway, like I said, this here is an example of that. This is an example of that right now. Oh, I wish that was a box set <laughs> like that, but anyway, like I said, the, the Sadiam series, the box set, is just, like I said, an example of that. It's just an example. This here, with the fan art and everything, this here, this here, was why the fans here, fans for United for Sadiam, the ones that are behind uh, season, if you will, are the part of the reason, along with the majority of the fan base, that we got this in 2007. So you just imagine how big that fan base has grown now, to the point that we are eventually on the well, on the verge, eventually on the verge, very close to having an animated continuation, an animated continuation that basically that is basically as I as I look this up here. And I think the website's still up. Let me let me see. I think it is. Not really sure. Here we go. You see, a fan base that here's the teasers, the news, the fan film, you know, stuff like that. And then boom, and a fan base that is created this.
see this? This is basically uh, what I'm talking about. We have com these are comics here. Some of them based, I think one of them. And we're going to go to un uncategorize. But some of them are based. Some of them originally. Oh, come on. Well, based on what we're going to get. Like, this could be a clue. Like, this here could be a clue as to what uh, we're in store for. You know, uh, within the next, you know, a couple of years, within the next year or so, you know, a couple of years anyway. This kind of gives us an idea of what we're in store for right here. So, yeah, overall, the great overall team season, they're making great progression, and I definitely suggest checking them out. You know, I definitely suggest checking them out. And they've been doing this for a long, long time, guys. You know, they go all the way back. A lot further than this, actually. You see what I'm saying? This is the, uh, like right here. This is 2009. Again, this kind of gives us an idea of what we may be getting uh, very, very soon. So I, I like that. I like the fact that we're going to be getting that soon. Possibly in animation form. Oh, n not impossibly, but definitely in animation form. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, again, I strongly suggest you guys supporting them on on Patreon when when you get a chance, um, if you will. So, yeah, definitely support them, and I, I think you'll probably enjoy the the result of your support. All right, so the next one we should talk about is will woke problems plague with woke problem? Okay, I should read. I should uh, type that differently. There we go. Yeah, but the next thing we should talk about is with woke problems plaguing Revelation on Netflix. That's Masters of the Universe Revel Revelation, which is supposed to be a continuation of the Filmation series. Uh, with woke problems plaguing Revelation on Netflix. Oh, wait a minute. It was right the way. <laughs> Hold on. Let me uh, do that again. Okay. Will woke problems plaguing Revelation on Netflix possibly affect Sonic Prime on Netflix when it arrives next year? Yeah. And basically what that means is, as I was saying, Revelation, which is Master's Universe Revelation... Uh, which is supposed to be, as I just said, a continuation of the original filmation series. Um, it's gotten under, it's come under a lot of negative fire. A lot of people, OG fans and even new fans, uh, don't like the direction it was taken. Um, some don't like the fact that Kevin Smith, Ted Baselli, um you know, Netflix themselves, and I think Robert Davis and people at Mattel lied to them about this. Well, mostly Smith and Baselli and maybe Davis to an extent lied to them about what the show was going to be you know originally about and it ended up being something totally different and because of that the show has dropped out of the top 10 for Netflix 
uh, depending on how you view Netflix, whether it's through your computer, your phone, your television, you know, your consoles, your streaming box, your Ruko. Uh, basically, it's hard to find. I mean, le- legitimately, it's hard to find because, as I said in a video yesterday, um, I looked in all the categories you think you'd be able to find it in, and it wasn't there. Now, somebody did say it was still around there, but I think that's because they probably looked for it, uh, um, you know, they probably looked at the Netflix um, page from a different, you know, source, whether it was the computer or one of the consoles or streaming boxes. But when I looked for it from my smart TV, I didn't see nothing. I had to search for it. I had to literally search for it. That's how bad the negativity has gotten on, on Revelation. So now the question, though, is will the woke problems that are affecting Revelation affect Sonic Prime on Netflix when it arrives next year? And I hope they don't. I really hope they don't affect it. Um, I don't think they should affect it. I, I think, honestly, um, you know, Sonic is a property that if any kind of wokeness was to affect it, Sega, who's behind this, Wildbrain, who is behind this, uh, you know, they would pull the plug. They'd say, hey, you're going to do this. We don't want to work with you. We don't want to work with you. So hopefully we won't get the same kind of woke problems that Revelation is getting right now because honestly, if we do, um, you know, some people look at adventures somewhat in a negative light. And, you know, it's a, it's a good show, but there are some fans that don't like it because it's goofy and, you know, meant for younger kids and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just not a good representation like Satyam, Underground, and X, and Boom are uh, in the eyes of fan, in, in, in the eyes of many more, in the eyes of those same fans, if you will. So hopefully, uh, whatever woke problems that are affecting Revelation right now, uh, hopefully they don't, you know, affect, um, hopefully they don't affect uh, Sonic Prime. Hopefully they don't that, and hopefully they don't. And hello to Zachary and us in the live chat. And guys, super chats are on again. Just a reminder: if you want to donate, it's up to you. Super chats are on. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's um, you know it's basically uh, one of those situations to where um, basic. To, and what I'm trying to get at is this: one of those situations to where if it does affect it. You know, it's going to become probably one of the worst Sonic series, if not one of the more downgraded Sonic series in a while. And like I said, with Wild Brain and Sega behind it, I don't, hopefully we won't have to worry about that. I mean, we may have our opinions on Sega and how they do things, but if Sega is about listening to the fans more so than ever now, then I think honestly we'll be fine. But... Yeah, will the same woke problems that are affecting Revelation affect Sonic Prime next year? Hopefully not. Hopefully not, because, you know, they're going to have a lot of places that Sonic and his friends are going to encounter. You know, we might get, you know, this character, Sally, showing up in maybe some capacity. Who knows? We know we're getting a different version of Amy, depending on the world, the various different versions of Amy and Tails. Um, but... Yeah, hopefully when those encounters happen, that none of the episodes that they happen in are going to be woke episodes. Hopefully it's just a regular Sonic series that celebrates, you know, 30 plus years of Sonic and, you know, goes from there.
you know, hopefully it does that. My finger just hit the mic there. I do apologize. But hopefully it just goes from there, and that's it. Hopefully we have a good series. Because right now, I can tell you this, with the woke problems affecting Revelation the way they do, the way they are, nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to, you know, even chance watching the, the second half of Revelation when it debuts. Nobody. Anyway, with that said, let's move on to the next uh, topic, or the next thing to discuss here. And that is, uh, basically, and I think I'll save the other one for last, because that's something that I think a lot of us would like. Uh, basically, next up, will the, Delta, will the Delta variant of COVID, which is a big thing right now, excuse me, will the Delta variant of COVID affect production or release of Sonic 2 next year? And the reason I bring this up is because Paramount, who distributed the first Sonic movie, pulled indefinitely, at least for the time, uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog uh, from its original intended release because of the Delta variant. Now the not now indefinitely means does now indefinitely means basically right now the they don't know when they could put it out there. The hoping probably will be soon. I, I've got a feeling they're going to probably release a. Re, they're going to probably give it a release date of possibly November, maybe December at least, because it, by that time hopefully things will be a lot better. But I think what they're going to do with the Clifford situation is the same thing they're doing with Paw Patrol right now, and that is they're going to release it simultaneously in theaters and on the big screen. You know, in what I'm trying to say is I think what they're going to do. With the Clifford situation, is they're going to release it simultaneously uh, on the big screen as well as on Paramount Plus, just like they're doing with Paw Patrol later this month. And I know some people that might like Clifford and want to see this movie may not like that idea. I'm sure the actors and produce and the crew behind it may not like the idea of that happening. But if Paramount wants to get it out before this year is done then the best solution is to take the same approach they've done, they're have done. they doing with Paw Patrol, and that's release it simultaneously in theaters as well as on Paramount+. Plus. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. But the question is, will it affect the Delta variant COVID situation right now, affect production and the current production right now for Sonic 2 and the release date? And honestly, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to affect it that much. I think they're going to take the precautions necessary uh, for, you know, for, you know, production. You know, they're going to make sure people get uh, vaccinated or they're going to make sure they either show proof of vaccination or they're going to have them get tested. One of those. I think I think what's going to happen is Paramount is going to make sure anybody working on the series or working on the film, whether it's the animation, whether it's the on set deal, uh, they're going to make sure that they... Uh, basically, um, if you will, I got a feeling what they're going to do is they're going to make sure basically that, um, you know, the vaccines are mandatory. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going to make sure vaccines are mandatory. And they're going to make sure that, you know, before people come on the set or people come into the building to work on the animation, that they either are fully vac, that either they agree to be tested or they have the proof of vaccination, or they agree to a vaccine shot right then and there um, uh, before they enter work. And I'm not going to be surprised if they do. 
I'm not going to be. But yeah, I, I truly think that's what's going to happen. I truly think that's what's going to happen. Happen, you know, to get this project, you know, on track. I'll keep this project on track, and you know, for and on its release schedule of April of next year. So I think that's what's going to happen, and I wouldn't be. I'm not going to be surprised by that. I'm not. I'm not going to be surprised that you know Paramount comes out and says, "Hey." You know, we're going to keep this on track. Nothing's going to affect it. But what we're going to do out of precautions is we're either going to have, you know, people working on the film, the animation part of the studio, either get a vaccination shot that day or tested or show us proof of vaccination. And those working on set, on production, like, you know, depending on the area, we're going to make sure that they get COVID tested or vaccine shot, or show proof of vaccination. They're going to make sure everything runs smoothly. They're not. They're going to try to avoid uh, next year any kind of situation like this. Um, would they take a hit in profit if they release too many films at once? Maybe they'll take a hit because people would want to choose one over the other, but I think, honestly... Right now, the Sonic movie, I think, is going to be fine. But when it comes to, like I said, Clifford, Clifford's probably going to follow the same path as Paw Patrol. And, you know, we'll just have to, you know, deal with that. If you were looking to seeing that on the big screen, well, now you're going to have lucky, if not unlucky, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you're going to have a more easier option to watch it, if you know what I mean. But we'll see what occurs. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't think the, the Sonic movie will be affected that much. I think they're going to take precautions on it now that they're getting into the final stages with of it. Like, if they have to do any more reshoots and stuff on location, they're going to make sure people have either proof of vaccination or they're going to admit to a vaccination uh, shot or they're going to admit to uh, testing. That's what's going to happen. And the same with those at the studio working on the animation uh, for Sonic, Tails, and, and Knuckles, and anybody else that, you know, game-wise would show up. Uh, but with that said, let's move, but with that said, you know, with that said, let's move on to the next one, because I'm pretty confident that nothing's going to happen to the movie. But now, let's move on to the next topic, as I get up for a second, stretch my legs, and turn on the light. It's getting a little uh, dark in the room. <laughs> Uh, but let's talk about this little thing because this was on Twitter, and this was actually uh, released a year ago. I wasn't even made aware of this. Uh, but this is on Matt Doyle Media, taking a positive look at pop culture since 2015. And as you can see, the highlight, the headline here: Sonic Comics. My thoughts on the current fan uh, division. And here you have Sonic and Sally, two versions of Sally, of course. Uh, on top, and this is what he had to say about it, and I quote as I, let me see, do I got my glasses here somewhere? Yes, I do, just in case. Uh, but this is what he says about it, and I quote, and this was published last year, I was not even made aware of this, but this is what he said, Sonic Comics, my thoughts on the current fan division. He says, and I quote, much like any fandom, Sonic, the, okay, let me read that. This is what he says, and I quote, and you can read it as well. Uh, he says, much like any fandom, the Sonic the Hedgehog fandom has a bit of a bad reputation. Also, much like any fandom, it's not really fair. The thing is, a lot of time, fandoms start to leave a bad taste in people's mouths due to vocal ma 
minority rather than the majority of members. And of course, the vocal members sometimes like to argue with each other too. Now with, now with the Sonic fandom, a lot of clashes arise due to the games. That makes sense, as, it, as it's where the franchise started. In particular, whether you like Pacific titles or mechanics can be an issue for some. The big clash, though, is over the comics. If you've kept up with my regular reviews, you know that I'm enjoying the Sonic comics. Not everyone does, though, and that's fine. The problems arise when it turns into an outline, uh, out, uh, online, I should say, uh, mudslinging match. So, what started all this, and what do I think of it all? Well, believe it or not, the start of the arguments can actually be traced back to the early 2000s. I'll start by detailing the events leading up to it, the fan clash, and then move on to where we're at and what my views are. And then you have Shade and Julie Sue here as kind of like a starting point. A Brief History of the Lawsuits The Archie imprint Sonic the Hedgehog Comics began as a four-issue miniseries that ran between 92 and 93. In July 93, it started running full-time, and would go on to be the longest-running video game comic in history. The comics were actually based on a spin-off, the 1993-94 Saturday morning cartoon, affectionately known as Sonic Saturday M. In 94, the imprint released issue 11 of the series, and in doing so, uh, and, and, and in doing so, took on its first long-term writer in the form of Ken Penders. Throughout his time writing for the series, Ken placed an emphasis on there being more character interaction and dramatic storytelling than we saw in the games, at least up until Sonic Adventure. This means creating a vast wave of new supporting characters and pinning all whole bunch of complex relationships between the cast members. He also wrote the entire Knuckles the Echidna spin-off, fleshing out the Echidna's race, Ace's backstory in the process. And so Ken continued to work on the series until he was succeeded by Ian Flynn, in starting with issue 160 in March of 2006. That's been 15 years now. At this point in time, Ian was essentially stepping into a pre-created universe with an overwhelmingly large cast of characters to draw from. Of course, some people preferred Ken's writing style and thought that Ian was doing a poor job with his creations. Others thought that Ian did a better job with the characters. That sort of sp split is fairly natural when you replace a long-term writing staff F, so, in, uh, so in a way. Let me read that. That sort of split is... Let me reread that part. That sort of split is fairly natural when you replace long-term writing staff so in writing stuff so in a way uh, so in a way it was unexpected okay let me read that again sorry sorry about that it says that sort of split is fairly natural when you replace a long-term writing stuff so in a way it was unexpected as such everything was mostly fine until the release of a video game in 2008 Sonic Chronicles the Dark Brotherhood in my opinion is an under underappreciated title but that is enough for debate here what matters is that its release in September 08 kickstarted a chain of events. You see, shortly after Pender started filing for copyrights related to his story, characters, and artworks as it pertained to the Archie imprint Sonic comics, this process ran from January 09 to April 2010, when the U.S. patents officials began recognizing the work as Ken's intellectual property. Once that was all cleared up, he made a move against EA and Sega, citing that the characters and storylines in Chronicles were too similar to his own Dark Legion arc. This was again a long process that spanned several years, 2011 to 2013, and essentially ended in a stalemate. 
The statute of limitations meant that Ken couldn't push it further unless the characters and concepts were used again. But that was long enough to kill off the sequel that the game would set up in its ending. This also had ramifications for the comics. You see, given that the comics featured a licensed franchise, the obvious thing for Archie was uh, the obvious thing for Archie to do was to say that Ken was working on a work for hire contract, and that all creations actually belonged to Sega. And so they did in twenty ten. But by twenty thirteen they had failed to produce a copy of said contract and so ended and so ended up settling with Ken. But Archie was undoubtedly aware that this was going to happen. This is evident by the decision to effectively hit the panic button and uh, this okay. This was okay. Let me reread that. But Archie was undoubtedly aware that this was going to happen. This is evident. This is evident by the decision to effectively hit the panic button. In late 2012, Archie removed all reference to Campender's related characters from the series. This meant having to rewrite issues 244 to 246 of the main comic and issues 46 to 47 of the spin-off Sonic Universe. Even the reprint specials removed the old arcs that featured Ken's characters. Then in September 2013, issue 252 was released and we hit the second Genesis the and we hit the second Super Genesis Wave arc, which effectively reboots the entire comic universe. The consequences were far-reaching. Sega introduced a new mandate that placed a lot of restrictions on what official creators could do with the Sonic franchise, and not only comics but games, TV, films, and toys. The full list can be found here. But among those restrictions were not allowing, uh, but among those restrictions were not allowing characters to have familiar relationships unless previously established by Sega. An example: Cream and Vanilla, not using any akin characters or content, and not using material from Sonic Chronicles. Character restrictions were also put in place, preventing Sonic from losing and bearing, and barring imminent slash love relationships. Given the amount of relationship drama that the previous era of Sonic comics portrayed, the last one meant and a complete shift in tone. So the comics erased the history of the previous issues and implemented redesigns to make the characters look more like game characters than the original versions. The stories began moving towards being game-style stories too, with Ian attempted to keep things within the mandated guidelines. Again, this was diversive. Some hated the new direction of the comic, some loved it. Some blamed Ken, others didn't. Hate and love were thrown about all, on all sides. And the team essentially had to weather it and continue with the job into the most recent reshuffle in licensing. Moving on to the current division. The Archie comics were eventually cancelled and the series moved to IDW Publishing. This was essentially another reboot. No longer would we be following Sonic and the Freedom Fighters from Sonic's AM, but rather we'd be visiting a new comic world and the timeline sent after the events of Sonic Forces. This only this meant only game characters and a handful of new faces present. Ian Flynn was hired to continue writing the series, once again with the intent of creating stories more closely aligned with the game universe. He had continued to do so since the beginning of the run though he will be temporarily replaced by Van Stanley after this at the secession of the Metal Virus arc. If you don't know, Ivan has been an artist on multiple issues of both the Archie and IDW Sonic series 
as well as having written for both versions, so she is definitely not a newcomer to the role. As it stands, the IDW comics are outselling the Archie comics by a considerable margin and have been generally well received, but of course not everyone is happy. Here's where things get a little messy. You see, there are currently plenty of fans that are happy just to enjoy Sonic Media. I would even go as far as to say the majority of fans are like this, simply enjoying what they enjoy and disregarding what they don't. But like I said at the start of this, with any fandom, you will have those that wish to shout very loudly and so come to the current comic split. There are some vocal parts of the fandom that are pro-Ken Penders and anti-Ian Flynn. They miss not only the freedom fighters but the characters Ken created in the style of storytelling. They tend to make this very clear, criticizing Ian's work and often calling for the IDW series to be cancelled so the license can go to another imprint. They also criticize fans of Ian's work and claim that Ian is lying about the mandates, or that his ego is killing the series. On the other side of things are also those who spring to Ian's defense. Some will state the same things that Ken has been criticized for for years, including storytelling style and art quality. Others throw out sale facts. Some even create fan art of pro-Penders fans' OCs coming to harm. Then, excuse me for a second. And then the arguments go back and forth with people essentially just shouting at each other and making the same points over and over again. Unsurprisingly, this resolves nothing. The fights just escalate until someone steps over a line and people start criticizing people on their own side of the argument. Then they start over again and repeat. My views on all this. This is uh, Matt's views. So let's start with the lawsuits. I'm a big fan of Sonic Chronicles, and to see the sequel canceled as a result of this sadden of this, or to see the sequel canceled as a result of this saddened me. However my, however, my understanding, and I'm open to be corrected on this, was that Ken initially raised the lawsuits because he wanted to be paid for his works. He viewed the game as essentially ripping him off and took steps to correct this. As an author, As an author who has seen their work appear on pirate sites before, I can tell you that this is a terrible thing when you know you're not going to be paid for your creations. So in that regard, Ken was within his rights to be upset. The work for hire contract issue is the crux of it, though. Archie claimed he signed one, and they didn't have a backup. If that's true, then Ken wouldn't have had a leg to stand on, legally, as he would have had known that he was... Uh, okay. If that is true, then Ken wouldn't have had a leg to stand on legally, as he would have known what he was signing. Ken maintains he never signed one, though, and if that's correct, he was simply defending his intellectual property. As far as I'm concerned, it was a shame that all of this happened. Like I said, the selfless side of me would love to see the game sequel. At the same time, though, I cannot view Ken as being entirely in the wrong here. The consequences of his actions were far-reaching, sure, but that's not really his fault. And all he needed to do, and all he did, it, care about, was his work. Okay, let me read that. All he needed to do and all he did care about was his own work. And, there, and that isn't wrong. And if we're being honest here, there are similarities between the Dark Legion and the game's Northrunner's clan. Or, 
uh, okay, and if we're being honest here, there are similarities between the Stark Legion and the game's clan. The same could be said for Knuckles, Archie Comics, girlfriend Julie Sue, and his love interest in the game's shade. Which version of the story you prefer doesn't really matter in this regard. I just hit my headset there. Because the similarities are such that the case couldn't just be thrown out, that should tell you that he wasn't entirely in the wrong here. Moving on to Ken's work on the comics, my own history is a little different from some. In terms of the Sonic comics, I didn't start with Archie. In the UK, we had the Fleetway imprint, Sonic the Comic, which ran from 93 to 2002. I mention this because when it comes to nostalgia, that is, a, that is the series that makes me feel it. I have no long-time love of the Archie comics because they simply were, weren't the main releases here. My introduction to the Archie ver version of the comics came when I ordered some trade paperbacks in 2014. This all covered issues that were written by Ian Flynn, but was still within the Ken Penders timeline. I have since read few... I have since read a few of the Pendus issues too, though I will not claim to be an expert on his work by any means. When it comes down to it, I will say that I prefer Ian's writing style. I don't have, oh, okay, I don't actually have any major issues within the qual uh, with the quality of Ken's work in that regard. He has a role. He has his. He was in his role for a long, for so long for a reason. And while plenty of criticisms against his work certainly have legs, the general quality was, in my opinion, fine. I just find Ian's work to be tidier. That is entirely a personal preference, though, and I'm certainly not going to knock anyone for feeling the opposite. I would also say that I had a few small Twitter exchanges with both Ken and Ian and found both of them to be admirable in the conversation, so neither seems to, like a bad person to me. When it comes to the changing face of the comics, I'm fairly neutral. I liked all the relationship drama, if I'm being honest. The new characters were fun, and the interplay between the various cast members was enjoyable in particular. I loved the Fiona Fox and I loved Fiona the Fox and Scourge the Hedgehog and their place in the series. The massive war was built up over the pre-reboot Archie run, had a lot going for it, and seeing a different take on the blue blur and his world kept me thoroughly entertained. The reboot felt a little forced into place, but I do understand why that happened. Once it settled in, I thought the post-reboot Archie comics were great. It was a big tonal shift, but it still felt very sonic to me. And the redesigns? I loved them. If anything, I preferred them to the pre-reboot character designs simply because the characters felt more like game characters. There was nothing wrong with the original Sally did. Design. For example, for example, okay, let me read that. Let me read that, and I quote: "There was nothing wrong with the original Sally design, for example, but the new look felt more on brand for the franchise as a whole, even if it differed to the Saturday M cartoon." Which brings us, which brings us to the IDW comics. As previously mentioned, if you've been reading my individual issue reviews, you'll know that I love these new characters and all. Ian Flynn and the team are, in my opinion, doing some great work here. The characters are awesome, the storylines have been entertaining, and the issues have all felt like strong all-ages releases. For me, Ian was the right choice to write these comics, and even would no doubt do great too with her run in charge, Arch. 
Meanwhile, IDW remains one of my favorite comic publishers and are yet to let me down with the series, with the exception of some release date slips, of course. Overall, I would say the current IDW comics are probably the best we've had in terms of Sonic. I still love the Fleetway comics, I still enjoy the Archie stuff, but IDW, I, but IDW have, in my opinion, nailed it. The comics fit nicely with the current gaming world, and that is something I like. Basically, though, I've generally just enjoyed it all. I like what once was and what is. It's that simple. And finally, we have the fandom clashes. Okay, so this may not be a popular opinion in some groups, but at this point, I feel like I need to say this. The fighting is ridiculous. Frankly, with all the things going on in the world, ranging from COVID-19 to global warming to human rights infringements, the fact that people think the priority should be to fight about who wrote comics about anthropomorphic high-speed blue hedgehog better seems ridiculous. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. We all have our own taste. We all have things we love and hate. That's fine. I'm also not saying to discuss it. Or not to, I'm, al- I'm also not saying not to discuss it. I've spoken to fans, both pro and anti, both key writers, and you know what? We were able to agree or disagree in a silver manner and move on. You can support things you enjoy and lament those, or lament those you don't in a reasonable manner. The big issue here is, you know, the big issue here isn't which side you're on; it's how you choose to present your view. You know, internationally, uh, intentionally, I should say, inflammatory posts, verbal attacks, and screaming at each other over social media achieves nothing but creating more conflict. We are all Sonic fans. Oh, wait, wait I skipped something, didn't I? Okay. If you're the sort to engage in all of this, then please take a step back and consider the final message. Hope some of you can take it to heart, because honestly, you're making things harder for yourself sometimes. We are all Sonic fans. Some of us have been since the beginning. Others are new to it, are new to it all. Some people love the game for one era or another, others don't. The different Sonic cartoons have all, all have fans, and suited the variation, different various versions of the comic. Thing remains consistent for, for it all. We all love this world. Uh, we all love this world that Sega created. Being a Sonic fan can be frustrating at times, sure, and the likelihood of enjoying everything related to the franchise is extremely low. But that doesn't mean we have to attack each other over every little thing. Stop focusing on what you hate and hold on tight to the things you love. Because here's the thing: whichever comic writer you love, whichever era the games you love. Whichever series you love, it's all still there, even when someone else takes things in a different direction. Be here for the Hitchhog and his pals, be cool to each other, and enjoy the fact that we have a franchise with the power to make us that this passionate in the first place. Yeah, I wanted to do that before I went on to the last uh, subject here, because for once, for once, you know, you know, that is... You know that is what I've been waiting for for someone to 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 come out you know and kind of speak out in their own way and kind of look at things from neutral perspectives, basically be in the middle, be like, "Look, you know we can like this, you can like kind of have an understanding, kind of like being an outsider looking in, and by being an outsider gives her opinion now is what he said here in this article going to change anybody's i you know Anybody's uh, perspective? Oh, heck no.
it's not it's not going to change anybody's perspective as I do this for seven there we go oh you know it's not going to change anybody's perspective you know people are still going to have their opinions you know and everything people are still going to feel one way or another there's no doubt about it but you know he does have a point and I'm glad I was say and I was glad I was able to read that and uh, and share that with you guys and Matt Doyle if you do read this down the line or listen to this Thank you for being one of those people that's on the outside looking in. Because you know what? We need more of that, honestly. I mean, yeah, I have my opinions on certain things. Heck, I'll be heck, I'll be straight honest with you. I s- still don't care for what they did with the Mecha Sally arc. I feel that was unnecessary. It was not needed. It could have been... And even if he wanted to do it, it could have been a lot shorter. But, you know, I still have my opinions on it. And look, I've given it my. And look, I've even said that it has, you know, it had its moments and it had some good, it had some good moments in there that you could have done a lot better with. But overall, it just, just fell flat in my opinion, and just wasn't really needed. All right. So with that said, hopefully you guys <laughs> didn't get bored with that. I do apologize. But let's move on to the last thing I want to talk about. And that is, will Sonic Sadiam, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog Underground, get Blu-ray releases in the future? Now, yesterday, um, I uploaded a video, a package opening video, of, you know, of, you know, things I ordered from Amazon. You know, I ordered... And I ordered these things with the uh, birth uh, with the Amazon gift cards I got for my birthday, which was <laughs> more than I expected. Um, but anyway, one of the thing, two of the things I ordered were the 50th anniversary edition of Scooby Doo Where Are You, and the new Scooby Doo movies, the almost complete collection, both on Blu-ray. And um, and I ordered these. And when these were announced as being released on Blu-ray, a lot of people pretty much said that, you know, Warner Brothers, they own the rights and everything, so they have access to all the stuff needed to remaster them, make them better, and all that. That is true. But there were still people who were like, you know, why would they want to put them on Blu-ray? It doesn't make any difference. And that's where... And that's where something where Zara Nizarak, Zara Nizarak, Sean McLean of the Multimedia Chronicles, came in and said something. He did a package opening recently from Frank Hill, It's Frank. And one of the things uh, Frank sent him was something he sent me earlier, and that was the Blu-ray set of Sonic X. And it was under Discotech's SD to BD division. And what SD is basically uh, known for is standard definition, and BD is Blu-ray disc. So basically, it was a two-disc set, and all Discotech did was take the distributing rights they had of Sonic X and they put them you know they put the episodes that they released uh they would have released individually on DVD and put them onto Blu-ray that's what they did and uh this is something that you know in the past people like Zara Nizarak and others have said wouldn't be possible you know well mostly they said that remastering it and going through all that trouble wouldn't be possible but you know, they still said, was, you know, really, really wouldn't make sense. Well, I wouldn't say they didn't say make sense, but they just felt like, you know, yeah, you could do it, but you'd just be putting them on disc. You know, there's nothing, nothing's going to really change. 
all that's going to be increased is maybe the sound and the bit rate for the picture, the quality of the picture. Just, you know, because of the bit rate being higher and everything, the sound and the quality is going to be better. That was about it. But, yeah, you know, he, he even, um, Zeranizer, let me correct myself there, even complimented, even talked about that SDBD kind of deal. Like, this is something, you know, that you can, um, that you can enjoy. You can you know, enjoy, uh, especially if you're more into Blu-ray and 4K, if you will, nowadays in DVD, this is something that, you know, fits your fancy. You know, it fits your fancy and everything. Um, so, anyway, you know, when I got the releases of Scooby-Doo, uh, Where Are You, and the new Scooby-Doo movies, and even before then, Josie and the Pussycats, on Blu-ray, you know, like I said, even though they have access to all those and able to do it, you know, the question started to run through my mind is would it be possible for other shows and that's when it and that's why I want to talk about this here as confusing and convoluted as that just sounded <laughs> um, like I said it's convoluted and com- as convoluted and confusing as that just sounded uh, basically long story short I look at something like Sonic Saturday AM I look at Underground and I look at Adventures and I see series that I truly believe could benefit from Blu-ray releases. I think they'd be huge money makers for End Circle, for Wild Brain, for Sega um, as a whole. I mean, the Sonic, uh, the Sonic Saturday M series. I don't think you'd have to worry about, you know, how many Blu-rays that would be. I think it's just one Blu-ray and that's it, and you'd be fine, you know, because it's a four-disc set. It's 26 episodes, 26 episodes, along with the bonus features, along with, you know. Like Sonic Christmas Blast, if you want to throw that on there. Maybe even, you know, give them an option of watching the final four episodes as a movie, like what I did 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, uh, this October. You know, I kind of, and basically, if you you want to know what I mean, that's a, and in case you want to know what I mean by that, is I edited very carefully all the final episodes of season two together, with the exception of the Doomsday Project title picture, or title card put that after the introduction of that episode and then just paused it went to cry the wolf you know waited out the intro and the title card and then very carefully as soon as it faded to black and then faded in went from there if you know what i mean uh you can check that out here on my youtube channel if you want to check that out uh but anyway um but anyway long story short you know, I, you look at the fact that Saturday M is 26 episodes. One Blu-ray can fit them all. You can, along with the features, and along, like I said, with the option of, you know, doing what some um, DVDs are doing, and that's give them the option to watch, you know, like let's say the final four episodes, maybe even Blast of the Past, as a full movie and a mini movie. I think uh, would work out, or would work out, and would sell very, very well for them, in my opinion. So, uh, I would love to see that. Same with Sonic Underground, the 40 episodes, they could be fitted onto one disc. And then Adventures, I think, would be the only one you'd have to do two discs with. I really do. You might be able to do it on one disc, but I think two discs mostly for Adventures would probably be the way to go. Um, but yeah, I could see I could see that happening, but the question is, will we get them on Blu-ray uh, down the line? Will we get them? And I think, honestly, we'll, we probably will. I think with this being the 30th anniversary, with Sonic Prime coming out next year, being distributed or being co-produced and released on Netflix by Wild Brain, the people that own the distributing rights, you know, streaming-wise and all that, you know, physical media-wise and all that, like, what, you know, 
what I'm trying to say is with Sonic Prime uh, being distributed by, you know, Wild Brain, who, uh, as I was trying to say, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I do apologize. I've been doing this for almost two hours. I do, <laughs> I do apologize there. But with Wild Brain owning the rights to that, you know, to the Sonic, uh, to the early, to the 90s Sonic's properties, animated properties, I mean, I could, you know, streaming-wise and physical media-wise, I could see, and, you know, you know, with this being like, you know, something to celebrate the anniversary, I, I could see, I could see them releasing, I could see them doing that. I could see them going to End Circle or whoever they can get, whether it's Shout Factory, whether it's Discotech or whoever they would rely on, or even Paramount, maybe. And I could see them saying, hey, you want to take these episodes and release them on the Blu-ray? You know, just to make an extra buck, just to promote Sonic Prime or, or even the movie? I could see that. I could see that happening. I really can. So, um, I, I do see it. I do see it potentially happening in the future. It's just a matter of, you know, will Wild Brain, you know, and Sega, mostly Wild Brain with Sega's approval, you know, go through with it. And I, and I think they will. I think with Sonic Prime coming out, you know, them being behind it, and them wanting to promote it as much as they can, along with the movie coming out, I think they, maybe even with Paramount Home Video's help, they might, you know, just do it. Or they might go to Encircle and say, hey, let's put this on Blu-ray and, you know, make some extra cash, as well as promote Prime coming out, as well as promote, you know, um, like I said, Prime and promote, um, you know, the movie coming out, the second movie. Let's, you know, take this advantage, take this opportunity, take advantage of it and go this route. So I could see them just taking a lot of the... You know the episodes, dumping them onto one disc, like with Sat. You know when it comes to Satyam and Underground, along with the features from the original releases, if they have access to those, as well as the option of taking some of the miniseries and putting them together as a movie, uh, or be viewable as a movie. And then I could see them doing the same with Adventures, doing two discs with them, along with the features, and taking the final um, story arc they did about the Chaos Emeralds and putting that as a film. So I could see that happening. I could see it happening, and and I think if they want to make some money um, off of this, uh, you know, this anniversary, if you will, I can see them doing that. Excuse me, I was getting some drinks, getting something to drink there. But yeah, I could see them doing that. Um, and you know, I I'll be honest with you, if they make that announcement, I'll be the first to go online. And order and do a pre-order of all of that, of all those on Blu-ray. I really would be. And because let me tell you this right now, I I'll put I will pop in a disc of the son of the Sadiam uh, box set of season two or season one. And the intro, when you watch it on 4K, looks great. It looks tremendous. So I can only imagine that if they get put onto a Blu-ray disc and that bit rate on the Blu-ray helps increase the sound and the picture, how much better it would look. Um, in the long run. Now, there are some people that, you know, have, some fans, some people that have done that already. They've, uh, like Collector's Haven, I think, has, um, you know, gotten the Blu-ray, has basically taken episodes and dumped them on the Blu-ray, thus unofficially giving us a Blu-ray release of Sonic Sadiam and other shows. So even if they don't do that, maybe I might look into Collector's Haven and do that. Maybe I might do that sooner than we think. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I truly... I truly believe 
in my opinion, that with Sonic Prime coming out and the sequel to Sonic the Hedgehog coming out, uh, movie-wise, that I could see, you know, Wild Brain and maybe with Sega's approval, you know, taking a chance at this. I could see him going to Ant Circle. I could see him going to Paramount. I could see him going to Discotech and saying, let's do this. And I guarantee you, once that announcement gets made, these will sell. These will sell, especially with everything I feel that they can include on it. But, yeah, do I think they're going to come to uh, DVD, uh, to Blu-ray in the future? Absolutely. I really do. Because I don't think you can deny it, you know, anymore. You can't hold it off anymore, especially when you see, you know, Sonic X going there, when you see Samurai Pizza Cats going there, when you see Scooby-Doo, Josie, and other properties going in that direction. I don't, I don't think you could deny it um, any, any further. But anyway, though, guys, that's what I feel. That's how I feel about it. You know, I feel we're going to get it and on Blu-ray in the future, and I look forward to that. Time. I look forward to that announcement when it gets made. But anyway, though, guys, I just wanted to, you know, come on here and you know give you my, you know, give you my thoughts on on all this going on Sonic-wise, and you know, and you know. You know, like I say, just give you my thoughts on everything going on Sonic-wise. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you to those joining me in the live chat. Really appreciated it. You know, more power to you. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section to those that will be watching this later on because I haven't linked it to some of the Facebook group pages yet. I'll probably be doing that afterwards. Uh, but let me know what your thoughts are. Comment down below on that. Thank you again to those uh, in the live chat. Thank you to those watching live and liking the video. Like the video if, you, if you're going to be watching this afterwards, which you probably will be, or will be likely anyway. Uh, but let me know what your thoughts are overall. Thank you all for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the support, guys. And um, hope to talk to you all later. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that came out. Give me your thoughts overall in the comments down below about everything I've said from Ken Penders being on you know, being upset with Ian Flynn, or at least giving his thoughts on Ian Flynn, you know, talk, saying what he did in his recent Bumblecast podcast, um, if you will, among other things. What are your thoughts on what Matt Doyle had to say? How do you feel about everything that was talked about here on this um, live stream podcast, whatever you want to call it? And really, that's about it. So till next time, guys, hope to uh, talk to you all later. Take care. God bless. Have a good night.